Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Michaela Renfro, who is currently Nessa Rose in Broadway's Wicked. I almost said Wicked. That wasn't right. <laughs> she is making her Broadway debut after uh, recently graduating CCM and has just been thrust into one of the biggest machines on Broadway. I, I say machines in a in a good way because Wicked is just one of these institutions. It's the fifth longest running show on Broadway history. So I think it's going to be around for a long time. Obviously, one of the biggest houses in New York, if not the biggest, I think. And it just continues to sell out. It's incredible. Find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcasts. Leave a review or a rating wherever you're listening now. And everybody, please enjoy this conversation with Michaela Renfro. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Today's guest is making her Broadway debut as Nessa Rose in Wicked. She recently graduated from CCM and has additional stage credits, including the title role in Cinderella at the Paramount Theater, Alice in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers at the Muni, and Dali in Smokey Joe's Cafe at the Fulton Theater. She was Princess Kimber in the workshop of Bliss and Little Known Fact, according to LinkedIn, still works at Lululemon. Michaela Renfro, <laughs> welcome to the Theater Podcast. Oh no, not my LinkedIn profile. So I assume you don't actually still work at Lululemon. No, um, I ended that job, I think, in October of last year. <laughs> well, hold on, let me let me go back to that page. What is it? Educator. What does that what does that mean? What were you doing? Educator. Basically, that's the term that they give their um I'm I'm going to assume they're like lower base retail members. Um, and our job was to educate you about um, what gear is best for your fitness lifestyle. So we, we would just kind of walk you through what clothing would be best for you. <laughs> so a sales associate. Yes, basically. So why not call? Okay. All right. All right. So is that is this like like a like a sommelier at a restaurant? Like the sales associate? Absolutely. <laughs> the best side-by-side comparison I someone could ever give for an educator. Yes, absolutely. Just like a song. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you walk in, you're like, hello, sales associate. I need lots of help because I like to run and sleep at the same time. So, and they're like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I need to call. Or like, uh, if you want to come in and you want to like, you want to look active, but you just kind of stay home and you walk around your apartment as we've all been doing, you know, obviously the past <laughs> two years. Um, then I would show you towards uh, like a super soft short and, and sweatshirt moment. I don't know. I don't, my training's a little behind, but. <laughs> well, okay. Let's do, <laughs> let's go into your, into your actual theater training. <laughs> so then uh, we'll, we'll go back even farther than that. So where did you actually grow up? Um, well, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and then I always say my home is Cincinnati, Ohio. That was, I moved around a lot. So Cincinnati was kind of the first city in which I stayed put for more than three or four years. Um, so from age 13 up until when I graduated from college, I was a Cincinnati girl. But my mother always gets angry at me when I say I'm from Cincinnati because she's like, you're from Louisville, Kentucky. 
Well, it's southern, that southern pride. You can't you can't just throw. Where, it I do. I still have my southern pride. Don't get me wrong. I spent some time in Nashville too, so I'm I'm definitely having my southern pride still going strong. But I do consider myself a Cincy girl. <laughs> well, listen, I'm from North. I say I'm from North Carolina. When I was tiny, tiny, was in Florida, but I still say North Carolina because that's where my impressionable years are from. And right. with all the bullshit happening in the South right now, anyway, I don't definitely. Hmm. You're like mm. Florida who? No. Yeah, who? No. No, 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 no. But did you ever have an accent? You don't you don't have a, a southern Kentucky I accent. I did when I was did you? my yeah, my partner says that it comes out when I'm angry or if I'm really emotional, my southern accent will come out. But I remember when I first moved to Cincinnati, that was like the one thing that I was really made fun of. And so I try I listened to my stepmother a lot and I tried to mimic how her voice was. So but it, it creeps really? up here and then yeah, oh for sure. It creeps up. Yeah, I, I I lose it. I or when I go back to visit, I just came from uh, from North Carolina. I was there last week to visit my parents, and and uh, I go out and I, when I go to Bojangles, that's usually where it starts Bojangles. to Bojangles starts to creep in. Yep. Or if you're on the phone with family, oh, it ha- it still comes. I I can't keep it hidden. I can't. Hi. Bye. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi y'all. I I never said y'all. I never did the y'all thing. And. And I, I don't know, that just wasn't a real word to me. And, and did you ever say bless your heart? <laughs> I didn't just because I feel like that was said a lot about me. And so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so I tried to why. not put that trauma on other people. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with you because I, that, that was why I brought it up. I was like, oh, let's let's pity them while making fun of them. Bless their heart. Bless yeah, it's heart. like it's like when the church women are are really trying to gossip and spread things, but then they want to come off as kind and Christian. Bless her heart. Mm, mm. Okay, so Woo. this may be this may be early in the in the episode to get into the into any sort of trauma, but I'm going there. So you present as Asian, <laughs> and there's a lot of of uh, Asian, a lot of racial things going on these days. And you're from yeah. the South. And I'm speaking yeah. of firsthand of just witnessing the racism and everything that's happening uh, all around all of these strange places. And so you, you said, this is why I brought it up, because you were like, you were the recipient of a bless your heart a lot. Did it have anything to do with like being sort of feeling out of place or being out of place in a traditionally white presenting Southern area? Um, I, I mean... There was a point in my life where I always felt like a black sheep, for sure. Like, my my Asian side comes from my father's side. And I was living with my mother for a, a period of my childhood. So I was around my mother's family. And, and that's the side of the family that I don't really look like. Um, but that was also the southern side of my family. So I'm sure that had something to do with all the bless your hearts. <laughs> um, but it's funny because I just visited with my father's um, my father's side of the family and his, his father is from Hartford, Kentucky, which is like an even smaller town. And they were this half Japanese, big sibling family. There was eight of them. And they always tell these stories about how they were like this one Asian family in this teeny tiny Kentucky town. And I would took them out to drinks and I was like, I just want to hear all the stories about you being the, like, only family that wasn't this white Southern family. And I got a lot of, you know, a lot of the same trauma stories and the discrimination stories, but to them that they're like, but that was just life. And like, that's how it was. And, you know, we assimilated and and it's true. Like I can see even in my aunts and uncles, almost how they would just put, um, what's the term? Not PC terms onto me or say not PC things to me, but that's just because, they grew up in that area where they, you know, they got it and then they pass it down. What is it? Pass down trauma or inherited inherited trauma. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure that the bless your hearts came down because I was a black sheep at some point. I mean, it's all connected. <laughs> what about uh, so going to, going to Cincinnati then going to Ohio then was it, was it, yeah. Did that follow or was that sort of a different, uh, a different experience? And then I, I maybe, uh, maybe I'm stretching, but 
I feel like a lot of people get into theater or get into musical theater, especially because it's it's chosen family. It's like finding a tribe of people sure. who's, who just accept you, period, right? Because everyone has different things going on. So like moving to Cincinnati and then getting into theater, how, how was that all related? So um, I moved in with my father when I was 13 and I went to Catholic school for a semester because that was the only school I could join halfway through the year. <laughs> so um, that was a time that half semester in a uh, Catholic school, because I was a public school girly for the, my entire life. Um, of course, I was the only what non-white and also the only non-Asian in my program. I think there was like one other black girl in our entire, from what I saw in the hallways. Um, and we would always say hi to each other. We're like, how did we get here? Um, and <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. I was miserable. I just moved to new city, new town, no friends. And my dad said, there's an art school downtown, you know, maybe that'll help. And Cincinnati had this art school downtown. So it was technically, I guess you could consider an inner city school. So that art school, yes, I was the minority because I'm always the minority, but that school was just a superfluous amount of diversity hmm. in in class, in color, in personalities. We were it was all major. So I was with artists, instrumentalists, um, actors, dancers, like you name it, everyone did it. And we were all young high schoolers. So the angst was just everywhere. But it was this beautiful, like you said, this beautiful conglomeration of diverse artists and it, it, it my tribe became this gorgeous group of people and I never felt like I was a black sheep just only because everyone came from everywhere you know and it was a blessing well, was it was it a, a public art school or like did you have to audition to get in or like so you did like have to audition to get in but I think from grade it was a k through 12 so from grades k through I want to say six. Um, it was, do you have a passion for the arts? Let just, you know, paint us a picture, write up. It was, we had creative writing, write us a story. And it was, if they could just tell that you were passionate about uh, the arts, then they would take you. And they didn't care where you were living. And well, I will say, if you were out of state, you had to pay tuition. But Cincinnati is, I mean, it's downtown Cincinnati. Like the kids that live down there are not going to be your higher class <laughs> families, you know? So it wasn't like some hoity-toity art school. And the kids that wanted, came from those families, they did have to pay tuition. But it, I mean, the mix of it, the majority of us were all downtown kids, you know? It was Gorge. I loved it. Gorge? Totes Gorge? Gorge. It was Gorge. Totes Gorge. I'm, OMG. Totes Gorge. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm hip and cool. I just learned the other day the, the little miss meme trend that's happening I, right now. I, what is that? I don't get it. I know it's like a take on a cartoon that was big, but I don't understand it. So I was told by someone uh, smarter than me when it comes to this, that if you overthink it, it's going to make no sense. So literally, someone just started... There's like a bajillion characters. There's like 30 different characters and they're a little miss talkative, little miss well-dressed, whatever. And so someone just started recycling them like Little Mist Podcaster. XYZ. Little, little, little Miss Nessa Rose, right? Like you could just oh, literally Lord. make whatever you want and hop on the bandwagon. Interesting. Okay. I mean, yeah. let it let it go. Hop off, Little Miss. No, that, that's the wrong musical. That, that's Frozen. <laughs> um, the, yeah, Little Miss Nessa Rose. So Nessa Rose, you, you, you spat out a CCM. And then yeah. uh, you went to, was there a graduate school after that, right? No, there wasn't. I was just, I did four years of my Bachelor of Fine Arts. I did, okay, so I was reading something different. Okay, LinkedIn, oh well, you failed me. So uh, LinkedIn failed me all over the place. Well, I probably failed at LinkedIn, okay? I don't know. Oh. I think that I was looking for work as a survival job. And I was like, I guess I need a LinkedIn profile. And probably <laughs> didn't. The BFA Conservatory does not train you to create a LinkedIn profile. And that is why I failed. So. Well, it, yeah, I, I, I think it was just funny that because I, I normally never will look at LinkedIn for a 
you know, for any of these interviews, if you're a theater person, right, because it's a completely different thing. Uh, but for whatever reason, when I just put your name into Google, that showed up. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. Ooh, all right. Little, yeah. We're burning it. <laughs> We're burning it. Burning it in effigy. So, Nessa Rose, come out of your, you come out of college, and then now your Broadway debut in one of the biggest, amazing, legacy, historical shows that has ever been in existence in one of the principal yeah. roles now. So, do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, or I guess, did you have one audition? You have multiple auditions. Let's we'll start with the with the onboarding process. The onboarding process. I um, I started my wicked journey, I guess you could say, um, my senior year of college during showcase. Um, I was brought in for another role in the show, and I went in for that. I would say probably twice, and then I, you know, that that journey ended, <laughs> and then, or I would guess you didn't say ended. It was put in the back burner. It was Fiero, right? They were. It, oh my god! Role. How did you know? Yeah, it, I yeah. was trying to like work around that. Anyway, um, <laughs> actually, it was Chistery. That's my dream role is Chistery in the show. <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? To like fly off these ladders and like the most physical moment. Ugh, anyways, um, and so then I went about my life, you know, auditioning for other things, and then Nessa came into my life uh, in March of this past year. And it was so quick. I sent in one tape. I got a call back the next uh, day. um, And I had to be in the city, but I was doing Smokey Joe's. And so I couldn't call out of the show. I didn't have my understudy at the time wasn't um, in in rehearsals yet. And so I couldn't go. I had to tell my agent that I couldn't go. And it was like this moment of like, I feel like I just passed my Broadway debut. Like, not just because I, I wanted, I've always wanted Nessa, but just because there was just something about this moment in time where I felt like I passed something that was meant for me. And um, so I let it go emotionally. And then they were, they emailed me back two days later and they said, you know what, we'll, we'll take you over Zoom. And so that weekend I did the call back over Zoom. And then a week later, I found out I got it. So it was so quick. And I, it was the, the validation of knowing that I, I had that gut feeling of it was meant for me and then it came true and it was really cool. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Wow. Are you, are you a, a, an instinctual person like that normally? Like, do you follow, like, I, I always say that, that when I want to follow something, I feel it in my solar plexus. And then I've met people or been in situations that feel like they're pulling me away on the back of my neck. And I'm like, I wow. can't around you. Yeah. I love that. I'm so fascinated by that, actually. I mean, I, I never thought of myself, I guess you could say, or identify as an instinctual person. But when I look back on all the things that have happened in my life, I always kind of saw them coming in a way, or Mm. I, I, I I saw images or visions of just like, this is what I want. I can picture myself doing it. And I, and I do everything I can, the steps that I can take to get there and just hope that it all works out, you know? And then when they do, I'm not necessarily surprised. I'm grateful in every way. But it's like, you know what? No, I, I pictured myself doing this. I knew I could, and I did the steps I could to get there, you know? That's really cool because it's, it's, I, someone was telling me about this the other day that uh, they asked, they're like, what, what was the day and the time you were born? And I was never asked the time I was born before. Oh, and I gave yeah. her, I gave her my birthday and I gave her my birth time, confirmed it with my mom. And, <laughs> and, and she said, uh, what did she say? She's, she's like, it it went into into this weird sort of mes- metaphysical stuff that I had never heard about before, and it was like, here's your sign, right? You know, Libra, whatever. Yeah. But then the time has to do with with how you handle instincts and how you handle um, uh, how, how you process that sort of basic uh, unconscious and huh. energy, sort of. With. Okay. And I don't put much much stock into that. Um, in general, because I'm very much scientific and technical and, and yeah. I like and, and whatnot. But 
but there's, I guess my version, I've said this so many times on the podcast now, but my version of spirituality is going on this emotional journey with a room full of strangers watching an amazing story, right? And there's yeah. something to that that, oh, is, that is instinctual. It's, it's the herd mentality. It's, you know, safety in numbers when we were all animals and, uh, and telling stories and music, especially at your core, speaks to who we are from hundreds of millions of years ago. And I, I just feel, I feel all of that. That's my, that's my version of spirituality. I'm rambling that's now. so but. beautiful. No, I love, 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 love that interpretation of it. I could so, talk about it for some, like we could just rant about <laughs> astrology and spirituality and I, you, where you won't you, even get done. <laughs> are you, are you uh, an astrology person? I am like, I, I would say I'm not dipping my toe. My foot is in the water for sure. But I am, I am always, I am humbled by everyone else's experience and, and knowledge of it that I can, I mean, I will sit over a glass of wine and listen to someone talk about it and their experience with it whenever and, and, and do it for hours. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I'd love to know, I love to know about, uh, I love to talk about this stuff, I guess, in terms of, um, incorporating it into, into your everyday life because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reading the horoscopes, there, there's power of suggestion and there's the way that you can manipulate different things based on different suggestions. And, you know, like uh, illusionists and mentalists use this all the time. And it's, it's a well-proven uh, skill that it, it's hard to develop. But being able to, to understand um, more about yourself, that's, that's what really fascinates, is, is fascinating about this, in, in my opinion, is, is, is to say like, Okay, maybe it is power of suggestion. I, I admit that I'm like, oh, if someone tells me because you were born at this time, that means you're going to act this way. I'm like, oh, okay. But if it helps me to like categorize, again, it's going back to the scientific part, right? So if I go back to the, right. the like categorizing my behavior or motivation or why I do things or why do we love theater? Why do we love performing? Why do we love dancing? If it has to do with the way the stars and the sun and the moon were all aligned <laughs> when you took your first poop, like, great. amazing amazing (laughs) i just want to know why i want to know why i think it's great well it's my my i think though i got into it because my mother had an astrology book when i was growing up and she she got into it and then she got she's also a pisces i'm a pisces their birthday's very close and of course you know watching my mom read it and telling her telling me you're just like me you know um we're both pisces and and there was a book that she gave me that said most pisces humans will become artists or actors. Really? And I'm sure I just carried that with me as well, knowing that I was like, mm, yeah, I'm Pisces and I'm really artsy and I flow with the wind and the water. <laughs> yeah. It was like a person I always wanted to be. And so I'm sure that's where it all started. <laughs> well, that's an interesting uh, a paradox, right? So if, mm-hmm. are, are did you become an actor because someone said that or did someone say that because you were you were going to become an actor right so it's it's one of those those the chicken or the egg the chicken and the egg right because if you hadn't read that would you have done it but if you were anyway so i'm i'm fascinated just fascinated by all this i and know then, we could go on and all of these i mean looking back in your life right were there were there any moments i guess when um seemingly insignificant chances Mm-hmm. made you make a choice or led you down a path that all of a sudden you're looking back and you're like, oh yeah, I took a left there instead of a right. And now I'm on Broadway. What the hell? Right. Are there, <laughs> is there any moments that you can think of? Because, because like you moved to Cincinnati, didn't like the Catholic school. And then just to get away from Catholic school, ended up in an art school, which is, it's a big move, but it wasn't an intentional, I'm going to go here to be an artist move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh goodness. That is so hard just because I fully believe that every milestone was meant to place me where I am, you know? And so to think that, I don't know. And I only say this just because I had a whirlwind of a childhood. Like I was in, I I moved around with family members. Like I bounced from family member to family member and each home I was in gave me something that I like that, that brought me to where I am today. Hmm. And I can't think about it too much just because <laughs> I will like not be able to speak, but um, I, every person and every family member and every teacher and every mentor or every friend that ever, you know, validated that I was good and good enough to 
chase my dreams, every single comment or sentence or phrase, like that pushed me in the direction. So it's hard to just even pick out each milestone, you know? I don't know. No, I I get it. I get it. And I'm trying to figure out how to verbalize what's going through my mind because a lot of people have a very linear path. They start out with two parents and 50% statistically are going to end up getting divorced. So half of the people are, are you know, have step parents, what, whatnot, right? But it's it's more or less a linear path. And you have the stories of... of um, I mean, it sounds like you had a very non-traditional childhood and there's a story like this or, or army brats um, that have to move around a lot. There's a, there's a different level of, of confidence that is mixed in with um, helping to cope with the trauma of having that instability. Because as a kid, yeah. you crave the stability of a, of a routine and a schedule, whether you realize it or not. Yes, right? you sound just like my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Michaela, you need a routine. And then anytime yeah. I'm not on that routine, I can't say shit. Well, shit goes down. You know, like my brain, it like falls apart and I'm an emotional mess. Yes. So oh. absolutely. <laughs> I lo- that's okay. Okay. Let's dive into that because I love that uh, eight shows a week. That's a grueling schedule. That's hard, but it's a routine. And uh, yes, yes. And you get to sing and you get to perform and you get to be in this phenomenal show that is about to hit in come October 20 years on Broadway, by the way, that's incredible. And you're going to be in the show at this incredible milestone. Oh my God. And so, so then for you, this routine, how, I guess between shows or between CCM and Wicked is your debut. So what are you doing between shows to keep your routine? What's keeping your sanity? Um, I, I have a morning routine. I try and get up around eight or nine. Um, and I have this beautiful garden outside. I have this outside, this outdoor space and it is my pride and joy. And so I I hit the big three every morning. I have coffee in the morning. I take care of my garden in the morning and I try and move my body. And usually 90% of the time, if I stick to that every single day, I'm set up for success emotionally and mentally for the rest of the day, you know? And it sounds so simple, but even when I was doing regional contracts, um, I, my therapist was like, okay, you're going to get to your living arrangements. You're going to bring a candle that has this smell that like is your consistent comforting smell. So you're going to bring, you're going to bring that into your living space so that, you know, it at least smells like something, you know, you're going to find your go-to coffee shop. So, you know, exactly as soon as you get there, you have your cup of coffee, you're getting outside, you're walking around, you're getting fresh air and you're going to move your body. So if you're going to find out if there's a gym in that place, or, you know, if you're just going to take a walk around the block, you're just walking around. So, I mean, your routine will change in whatever environment you're in. It's not going to be, you know, A, B, C, D, F, G every single time you go somewhere, but you got to like set yourself up. And that's the biggest thing that I learned coming from an unstable childhood you know that's that's so wonderful i i i guess as you, as you get older and you become a parent you're sort of forced into that routine of getting them up and like my two kids are they wake up and i gotta get them breakfast and i gotta get them to school or camp or whatever the case is and yeah it's like that was one of the hardest things going into covid uh and i heard this from a lot of other people too it's just everyone's routines and still coming out of COVID, like I put in air quotes coming out because we're not, uh, <laughs> we're still in it. Yeah. We're dealing with it. <laughs> um, now dealing with COVID, we'll say, uh, routines are, are still kind of all over the place. And I, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time uh, working at home. I'm work from home hundred percent now. And, and it, it is really hard to have that self-control to, to say like, all right, once I am on my own, I just, sometimes I just want to nap. Sometimes I know I have so much work to do that I don't know where to begin. It's like one of those situations, right? So for you in the pandemic, when there was no option to perform, like that's, that's, looks like that's when, again, according to LinkedIn timeline, that's when you were doing survival jobs. Yes, I was. So, so was that, um, I mean, did you have a, a, 
I guess, uh, sort of any sort of ex- existential moments, crises of sorts oh, when you're like, sure. oh shit, my industry shut down. This thing that I strongly believed in my solar plexus I needed to move towards is now gone. What do I do with myself? Oh goodness. Well, yeah, I would say, so I was in college when that, when all this happened, I was in my junior year. It was like halfway through my junior year and I served all throughout college. Um, I had a job ever since I was 15. That was like way of life for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so honestly, it was like that first month of what is going on. Um, everything is shutting down. Obviously my restaurant we moved to just carry out. So I was still working. I still showed up, you know, 10 AM was there till four. So I still had some kind of schedule. Right. And then once it got really bad, um, and we were just stuck in our houses, that's when of course (laughs) the mentality of everything started to really hit and, you know, questioning how am I going to make money if, if theater is not like, you know, bounce back. I started to have those thoughts of, wow, I really don't like this instability, you know, like this theme of instability. And why is it that, you know, I come from XYZ past and then I put myself into a future where I have no idea what the next month is going to look like, you know? So then I was like, okay, well, I have other skills that I can use to have another job. So that's why I I joined a, a fitness brand and, and I, I started my life as a dancer. So I was like, I really know how to move my body and I know how to teach other people how to move their bodies in a healthy way. So that was kind of the first industry that I switched over to that kind of had a direct link. And that's then my purpose became not, you know, not actor or artist, Michaela, but love to move your body, Michaela. And I was like, your go-to fitness instructor, <laughs> which honestly, is, I think a really a, a big crossover in our industry, um, especially for dancers. So that was kind of how I, I had to have purpose, right? You have to have purpose and a, a reason to get up in the morning. And absolutely, if I did, and if I didn't have that, I mean, after two weeks, it was it was not going to be good. So um, I just immediately found a new purpose for me to be productive and 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 make money, truly. Um, and so that's kind of what I switched to. That's that's so cool. I I love that. Uh, you just got into dancing recently. I didn't realize that that it was more of a a recent thing. Were you like in the in high school and whatnot? Did they have like uh, part of the curriculum of dancing too, or was or did you just start really professional or I guess taking classes, really getting serious about it during the pandemic? So I um, I was a gymnast um, when I was like a a, le- a a little one. That was kind of maybe the first hobby, I guess you could say. I, I joined. I was like five or six, and I was a competitive gymnast. I was a national champion, actually. Not many people know that. Um, and I... In what, in what sport? I mean, yeah, what... Gymnastics. What, I mean, I what, gymnast. uh, re, what routine? Floor? Or what, what's I, yeah, it so um, my best was vault. <laughs> I don't know why. But so I remember that that meet, I, I like placed first in vault. And then it placed me first all around because my vault score was so high. Wow. I know. I'm like, wait, I, this is like taking it back for me. But yeah. Um, and so when I, when I really went in hard in theater in high school, when I was in my art school, my mentor, Leah Lachey was like, you're a dancer. And I was like, uh, mm, I don't know. And she, I mean, she was really hard on me. And I, I stayed at school until like 10 or 11 o'clock sometimes just in the gymnasium practicing what she gave me. And I would do as many intensives and camps during the summer that I could because I couldn't really, I couldn't afford dance class. That was like not in the cards for me, but I would, I would be scholarshiped into these camps and intensives um, where I was taking ballet, taking tap, taking jazz. And it, it like enthralled me. And so when I started working professionally at 13 regionally, I was only being used as a dancer and I was tumbling because I had gymnastics in my back pocket. So I was like your go-to girl to throw in the air. And it all just kind of snowballed when I was in college. When I was in college, I was kind of trained to be the cover. So my, my like path from my teachers for a period of time was to dance your face off in the ensemble and then cover the lead. So this new like life into principle is um, 
very uh it came a lot quicker <laughs> than i thought it would so and it, it and i'm still having some imposter syndrome about it but um i'm very happy that it it i have other tools that i can use and and, and play into that's so cool that's cool i so i i, I want to get in obviously you don't need to give specifics but um you, it sounds like you know life young the younger life was a bit of a struggle and and financially uh, might have been hard. And now you're on Broadway in the best city in the world in a show that ain't going nowhere, earning, earning their principal dollars. So <laughs> like now are, are you, do you know what to do with yourself? Are you just sort of living in the moment a little bit? Like... What's going on now? Because Wicked is not a show that's, like I said, it's not going anywhere. So you're not, you don't have to worry about the show closing tomorrow or you've got a look on your face. What's going through your head? Oh, I, I think, well, it's funny because um, I, I've always been a person where like I write down my goals and um, I have like a specific planner brand that I've been using since I was a senior in high school. And part of it is you write down your goals and then you, you, write down the steps that you take. And so you're like proactive towards your goals. But I've had this planner brand for a really long time, but I, I have the planner that I had from senior year of high school where I wrote down my dream life. And, and uh, I remember like just the other day, I was walking to get a bagel before a show. And I was like, oh my God, I'm literally like in the vision that I had <laughs> writing this dream life out where I'm living in New York City. I have a job on Broadway. I'm paying rent. I'm not like scraping to get by, you know, like this bagel is not going to be my one meal for the next three days. Mm. And, um, I just had this overwhelming feeling of, yeah, the girl, that 17 year old girl would be so proud (laughs) and look at me and be like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And it's been, it's so rewarding, but that's such like an understatement. Yeah, it means a lot. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Your first bow on your first night as Nessa Rose. Do you remember that? Do you remember the feeling or the, you know, the, the, the applause, the love coming from the biggest theater in New York, like shoved in your face? Yeah. Yeah. I, there's like no words for it. You know, I, I try to, I, anyone that asks me, all I want to do is just like put you in my body <laughs> with my mind and my experiences and then push you out there for you to experience that bow because there's no, you know, what that moment meant to me, you'll under, only understand it if you're me, you know, but I want, I want other people to know what that meant. So all, all I could say is like, I wish you were just in my body seeing and feeling <laughs> all the things that I was, cause it was, I mean, magical. There's, there's really no other, there's no word for it. Is it a, is it a, I guess the the reason that you love it is it a a a a feeling of feeling accepted, a feeling needed, of feeling finally you can relax. Like everyone's got a different reason that they love being on stage. That they either love or like they they either need the validation or need um, just need to express themselves. Like sometimes they do it for the audience. Sometimes they do it for themselves. Sometimes they do it for any number of different reasons. Have you ever like dove into, dove, dived, divid, dived <laughs> into, <laughs> divided? Di, di, Have you ever divi, di, divided <laughs> it into, yeah. Have you ever Lynn manuel why? Oh, you, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever that was like, great. explored why? why the why of all of it because i feel like if anybody you're probably one of the ones who's really gone into the back of their psyche to to look at this um yes i've journaled about this a lot throughout my like uh training in life like why do we do what we do i think we had to do that a lot when everything shut down you know we had to go back to our why and i could say there are many reasons why i do what i do many many reasons 
the one that is prominent in my brain at the moment is just because of our conversation. I, and they're knowing that there were other young kids in the audience who are looking up at us actors and they might be going through whatever they're going through in our life, you know? And I can only put myself back into that situation of feeling like I was living this life and I couldn't get out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And what this hobby turned lifestyle turned my career what it gave me was that I was meant for something more than the life that I was currently living you know I wasn't meant to be feeling the way I was feeling or I wasn't meant to be you know experiencing sad things that I was experiencing I was meant to hold in tight and just wait for the actual purpose and the actual life to start you know and I, I guess when I do my bow every night, my really good friend, Jordan, who's in the show, we've gotten really close. He's my Bach. He, every single time we always just look at the kids. He's like, did you see those really cute kids over there? They're looking at us, these big bright eyes and all, or, or kids that, you know, look like us. It looks like me and Jordan who, you know, back then when they looked up at cast, they didn't really see people like us in the front, you know? Mm-hmm we always check in with each other like, Oh yes, I saw those kids. And Oh my God, that was like a little you or that was a little me. And those are the thoughts that go through my brain. And I think that's very much a current moment. There are many other reasons why I do what I do, but recently and as of today, that's kind of what blows through at the moment. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Barrow, great guy. First, first black man to play Bach in North America. So yeah, you're, you doing, doing a lot. I hit the jackpot. Yeah. Yeah, with Brittany and Jordan and you and every yeah, it's it's and Clifton and Clavant and oh. yeah, it's it's a dream cast. And I I think about I remember like my first couple of weeks, I was like, if I had to be dropped into any wicked cast, it would be this one. Like <laughs> if I had my choice, oh my god, it would be this one. Well, it's such a good it's a good show. It's a good cast. I mean, great, great show, great cast, great everything. And and I mean you you like you said, you hit the jackpot with this because coming out of college after a pandemic, people don't get the stability that you've got right now. So yeah. save your cash, save, uh, don't take this for granted. Like just in, but enjoy every moment, right? You got like, you got to be present. And I'm sure it sounds like you've done a lot of work on yourself and I'm a big proponent for therapy. I do therapy myself. Is just everyone this, go to therapy. Everyone go to therapy. My God, please. I wish it was government mandated. Uh, or even just like read a self-help book and journal about what you read. Because I know that therapy isn't always attainable. So just read a self-help book and go sit outside under a tree and journal about it. And that in itself is going to help. Just writing. You know what? This is a complete tangent. And and whatever. It has nothing to do with theater. But uh, I like to read. Um, there's certain subreddits on Reddit. Um, and, and one of them is just like these anonymous confessions from people about how they're feeling in the moment or like something that happened to them or something that they did or whatever. And it's like, like, it's so cathartic for them. You read the comments and whatnot, and it's so cathartic for them to, to like get feedback from strangers. And especially they, they just, if they're like, I'm feeling depressed and I I feel like I'm worthless or whatever the case is, right. They're not alone. They don't feel, they all of a sudden get bored and realize that like, oh shit, there's, a thousand billion trillion other people that feel exactly the same way I do. And I never knew that before. So I think it's rather important to, again, talk to somebody or journal. I think that is great. I agree. I agree with that. that. Um, There's three standard closing questions. I ask everybody to wrap up every episode. But before that, I thought it'd be fun just to read you your horoscope for today. I pulled it up. (gasps) Thank you. (laughs) We are recording today, July 22nd, 2022. Your horoscope is... You might surprise a few people with your words and actions, which could seem out of character for you, Pisces. Don't be surprised if you don't think or act like your normal self. There is a streak of the oddball side, oddball inside you that wants to have its day in the spotlight. Let that part of you shine through by wearing your plaid pants with polka dot shirt and furry orange hat. Wear bright, expressive colors that show off your willingness to stand out in a crowd. Learn to love yourself and attract your perfect relationship with a free psychic love. Re- oh, no, that wasn't part of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I resonate with that because I'm a neutrals girl. Like my closet is 
black, white, gray, maybe, um, maybe olive green, maybe some yellow. So I think my, I will, I will try and bring out my yellow and, um, uh, maybe an orange, like a, like a terracotta, my lucky scarf is terracotta. Stand like, out I'll today. bring out, I'll bring out my colors today. Stand, Stand out, out today. today. And, and when, when something, something great, great happens, happens, let me know. Let me know. I want, uh, I want to, I want to know, know what, what, what this, this just, just manifested, manifested into, into existence. existence. I, think I think that's, that's brilliant. brilliant. All right. So we'll go into the three closing questions before the world ends again. Uh, where is my Let's go. Okay. Question one. What motivates you? Which I think you probably answered in this form already, but mm. very simply, what motivates you? Um, it's actually really hard to answer. What motivates me? Um, audiences, kids coming to see the show. Um, I knowing that there are probably people out there that just need the story of Wicked, and I don't know what that means to them, but they need a night of theater, so we'll give it to them. Mm. All right. Second question then, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Oh my goodness, so much. <laughs> um, the little hang cat, in there. The, I was gonna I was literally gonna say hang in there. The cat with the the cat with the, the rope that's like hang in there. The kitten. <laughs> yes, literally hang in there. Um, keep working hard and um, don't let anyone ever tell you that your dreams are too big. Mm. What is it? What is it? Aim for the stars and you land on the moon? Yes. Something like that. Okay. This is the final question. Hardest one. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Mm. This is going to be a problematic answer. But... <laughs> It's a toss-up between White Christmas and Carousel. <laughs> Why White Christmas? And, okay, so White Christmas because who doesn't love Christmas music? And um, but I would want to see, like, I want to see a stage version of it because I want them to keep in the best things happen while you're dancing. And um, what is it? There's a number where she's in this yellow dress and there's like this, this she does like a tap number and it is literally the most amazing dance sequence. I can watch it over and over and over and over and over again. And then Carousel because of the dream ballet with, um, with her daughter. And, and I just, I could just watch and listen to that score so much. I, yeah. So it'd be a toss up of white Christmas and Carousel, but I know it's a problematic show. So I get, I know, but it's, it, no, it sounds like it sounds like you 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 need to like originate this beautiful dancing role for your, your next gig on Broadway has got to be this originating Look, a dancing role. You know, like people you, always ask me what my dream role is, and I always say it hasn't been written because they don't write roles for women that could act and sing and dance the shit out of anything. They don't write roles like that anymore. There's Anita and West Side Story. But they're like they don't write roles like that, so we need to get on that. I'm gonna try and do it myself, but we need to get on that. You have the best point that I have heard in a very long time. You're right. You are so right. And I mean, they write it for men, but they don't write it for women, and it's frustrating. <laughs> you're right. Do you, did they used to do that before? I know we probably should wrap up, but now I'm thinking about this. Like, I feel like you know, <laughs> sing, singing in the rain had yeah. That that had a pretty substantial role, but she doesn't really sing that much. Like it's kind right. of like a um. It, there's always those those numbers where like you can dance and sing it at the same time, you know. So you, it, the the melody can't be too jarring. But I want a role where there there is drama and there's comedy. So you know you got to have the chops. She gets a big ballad to sing her heart out, but then when the ballad is not enough, she breaks out into like a ballet. And and it's like a lover's ballet. Oh, I have I have vision. I have vision. Oh my goodness, that's that is so cool. Uh, like many combine, take some Sutton Foster roles, throw on a little Ariana Debose roles, and 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 then just like top it off with uh, with some Michaela and yeah. and you're good to go, man. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think some Philip Sue, Sutton Foster, Ariana Debose conglomeration that is my dream basically all, all the the 
the powerhouse badass women from Hamilton. Let's just go with that. Yeah. Like if we could just put all the sisters together, but mix in the bullet track, that is my track. Uh, I mean, but look at look at all the other women. Like uh, um, Amber Ardolino was in. Was oh in my Hamilton god! Too, right. And She's incredible. Incredible, right? And triple threat, and well, quadruple if you throw in social media, because you gotta, yeah. you gotta yeah. be good on social media these days too. Speaking of which, where can we find you? Where can we find you on the socials? You can find me on Instagram. That's kind of the most consistent uh, social media app I use. I just got on Twitter, but last time I was on Twitter, I was, I think, in high school, and I was scared to use it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm slowly getting back on Twitter, but um, there's really not much there. So I would say Instagram is the best way to, to see what's going on. Are you on TikToks? I am, but it's mostly just videos of my garden at the moment. But if that's the content you want, then... I'm a gardener. I love... Uh, I got heavy into, into aeroponics and hydroponics. Like I dove it <gasps> down that road because I wanted... Oh, in New sure. York, I wanted, you know, dirtless gardening. And right. and yeah, so I'm definitely going to follow your your plant talk. My garden TikTok? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it, yeah. that is definitely where it's starting. There's going to be some theater here and there, but it, it's going to be a garden TikTok. You should do like some stop motion with, with vegetables or something you're growing so you can like reenact reenact uh, famous dance scenes with your plants. There you go. Best of both worlds. That is the best idea. Okay, I'll get started. I'll get started. <laughs> All right. Uh, you get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. Leave a rating and a review. Hit those five stars like I'm an Uber driver. Wherever you're listening now, uh, this has been edited by Well Ren and Hoodlum Productions. Jukebox the Ghost gave us intro and outro music. And Michaela Renfro, thank you. Oh my God. This has been such a fun conversation. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.